This show, it is made possible by key person of influence, a 40-week accelerator program designed to make you more visible, more valuable, and more connected in your industry. Who doesn't want a bit of that? You can grab a free hard copy, and it's a ripper, of their New York Times bestseller over at keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo. And Web Central, creators of beautifully effective websites and online marketing packages for small businesses. And you can grab an exclusive listener deal of theirs covering social media, websites, domain names, all sorts of good online marketing stuff over at webcentral.com.au forward slash, you guessed it, Timbo. Ah, the beautiful sound of commerce. People buying, others selling, deals getting done. Oh, you got to love a marketplace, don't you? Well, today's guest specialises in making marketplaces. In fact, he's created eight multi-million dollar marketplaces in 14 countries. And he's adamant every small business needs to get involved in one. Marketing show where successful small business owners share their souls to take your marketing straight to the lead. Now, here's your host, Mr. Timbo And welcome back to another episode of Australia's number one marketing show. I'm your host, Timbo Reed. You, infinitely more importantly, are a motivated business owner who is ready to crank out some great marketing, some clever marketing, some effective marketing to build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. And that's what we do around here. That's why I exist. That's why this show exists. That's why we are up to episode 342 of doing just that. So thanks for coming back. If If you've returned, good on you. If it's your first time around, I think you're going to like it. Big show today, Jason Wyatt, who is the founder of Marketplacer, which is the world's leading online marketplace platform, joins us. He's not only got a great business story, but you're about to discover the power of marketplace marketing, something we haven't covered on this show before. I share another low-cost marketing idea in What Have We Got to Lose? Give you a hint, today's idea is all about getting you blogging, three easy steps. Uh, We go back in time into the small business big marketing vault, revisiting a past episode in which we caught up with past YouTube star, now turned New York, New York, (laughs) New York restaurateur, Daniel Delaney. And oh, I have some big news about our guest next week. Yeah, save that up for later. Hey, as per usual, there is marketing G-O-L-D, dripping from the ceiling over here at the Small Business Big Marketing HQ. So let's get stuck right in. Coming up, we talked to Jason White from Marketplacer, but I just wanted to give you an update on my Philippines trip. Came back, what, two days ago? It was a ripper. Gee, it was good. 
If you've been listening for a while now, you know that I take groups of listeners over to the Philippines to explore all the outsourcing options available to business owners. It's called the Create Freedom Through Outsourcing Tour. Just really quickly, I want to thank all the listeners who came, who had the courage to join me and explore another way of doing business. Veronica, Kurt, Aaron, Ashley, George, Darren, Graham, Evan, and Steve. Thank you, guys. Because, you know, we got out of our comfort zones, right? We saw things that are going to change the way we do business going forward. So well done to you. Big thank you to David and Alison Warren from Cornerstone Business Solutions for making the tour possible. I am going to do another one probably in the first four months of next year, 2017. If you want to find out about it, keep listening or register. Uh, get on my database over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. And finally, a big thank you to the 90 Filipino people who came along to an event I spoke at uh, on Friday night. The event was 100% laser-focused on showing them how they can play a bigger game in their business and their personal lives. And I thoroughly enjoyed sharing that content with them. I thoroughly enjoyed the feedback I got from them and um, they made a difference to my life by being there and and I did the same to theirs according to them and it was an absolute pleasure to be able to do it. Hey, if you want to talk about how outsourcing can change your life, can create more freedom in your business and your life, then join the Small Business Big Marketing Club. We're always talking about that inside the club along with many other marketing topics and you can do that over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Coming up, I share another easy-to-implement marketing idea in What Have You Got to Lose? But for now, let's talk marketplace marketing. Yeah, a topic we are yet to explore on this show. It's taken me 342 episodes to get to marketplace marketing. That's okay. I'm sure there's many topics we haven't covered, but we will get to. Now, Jason Wyatt is the founder of a multi-million dollar business called Marketplacer, which is the world's leading software for creating marketplaces. But don't worry, this is not a software discussion. You see, Marketplacer is responsible for the establishment of eight online marketplaces in 14 countries. Marketplaces like Bike Exchange, Outdooria, House of Home, and five others, places where buyers and sellers do business online. Quite amazing. I'm not going to go into too much detail here as I asked Jason to explain the concept very early on in our chat, but we also cover in this chat where the idea came from and how he got it to market. Seems like an obvious idea, doesn't it? Uh, but boy, oh boy, has he executed it well. Um, we talk about how to build and nurture a tribe of raving fans, how you can tap into marketplace marketing, and how you can set up your own marketplace if you chose to. So here's Jason explaining how Marketplacer works. Hi, Tim. Well, Marketplacer enables people globally to create marketplaces. So um, if you wanted to create the next Airbnb, um, you would partner with us um, from a technology and a process and systems perspective, and we can enable you to do that. So we also have created several of our own marketplaces around the world, including Bike Exchange, uh, House of Home, 
tiny trader. So, so t- take us through one of those. That that makes sense. So you you have created essentially you're a software developer. You've gone and created this this platform uh, for other people, business owners, entrepreneurs to create a marketplace in their area of interest. So take us through um, one marketplace. What's your favourite? You've got eight of them. Take us through your favourite. It's like ch- it's like children thing. You yeah, can't right. have favourites. But um, I'll give you an example. Bike Exchange was our first marketplace that we created in 2006. Um, so it's a marketplace for everything bike. So if you look at the bike industry, it's highly fragmented. There's over 900 brands of different bikes from um, thousands and thousands of sellers all over the world. And then there's literally um, there's literally thousands and thousands of parts. Hmm. So what we've what we've said as a customer, customers are demanding um, ease and choice um, in their purchasing behaviours. So what we do is we pull all the sellers around the world who are selling bikes and bike parts and events and holidays, and we pull them together in a single customer experience. Mm-hmm. No different to Airbnb doing for um, short term rentals. We're doing that exactly the same for the bike world. So if I go to Bike Exchange and I'm looking at it right now, um, Bike Exchange is a marketplace where there are, I'm guessing, hundreds if not thousands of sellers of bike stuff from around the world, right? Yep, hundreds of thousands. Hundreds of thousands, wow, (laughs) all in one place. Exactly. And and then what we do is we provide amazing um, content and useful content for consumers. Ooh, like if you're going to buy a kid's balance bike for Christmas, um, if you're going to buy your first road bike, what should you look out for? We provide um, a, a useful uh, community um, where, where people can access information around uh, and review sellers so you can you can purchase and look for bikes um, with um, Jace, you are talk you are talking my language you, you had me at the word useful I've written a book called the boomerang effect the bo- at the at the base of the boomerang effect is a concept called being helpful helpful marketing um, and that's what you guys are doing right you are basically saying um, we create this useful content so that what what's that about developing trust so that people go wow bike exchange is the place where i can get not only information about cycling i can get product as well yeah that's right and if you think about a marketplace it's really a membership economy and um and you start out as a consumer you start out as a free member but then the most important thing behind a community community led marketing today is to create a sense of belonging and actually provide the customers with the needs that they're looking for. So it's no different to needs-based selling. What you need to do is understand um, the benefits that your community, in this case, would would like to benefit from a marketplace. And there's really great examples of marketplaces at the moment. You know, the largest taxi business in the world doesn't own a taxi. It's a marketplace, obviously being Uber. Um, The largest cinema house in the world doesn't own any cinemas anymore. Um, and it's a membership economy. It's Netflix. a marketplace, obviously, being Netflix. So um, the membership economy is basically, in my opinion, the transcript to the subscription economy that's been around for a long time. And, and it's, But it's really about creating a community of – and we always talk about a tribe. Mm-hmm. So if you look at bike riders, they're very tribal by nature. Uh, and if, you're, if, you, if you go on to bike exchange, it gives you exactly what you expect. Um, you know, it doesn't talk about motorbikes. It doesn't talk about cars. It, it actually gives you everything bike. 
and everything you'd need and to satisfy your need around everything bike. It gives you all the brands, all the stores, all the sellers, all the information, all in one place. Your aim as the owner of Bike Exchange, as the creator of this massive cycling marketplace, is to just be... You know, you, you just – if you're a cyclist, then it's a one-stop shop, right, and you're building this tribe. I've got this great quote from, from the Marketplace website which talks about tribe. You say, and I quote, when you make people feel that they belong to a tribe and you harness passion, it is an immensely powerful thing. Marketplace is here to help you create your community and bring your tribe together. You know, Jace, tribe is a great word. I love it as a marketing term, often overused. What is – what is the secret source to creating a tribe, a truly genuine tribe? So the secret source to creating a tribe is to actually understand the, the needs and, and, and actually what actually your customer is actually mm-hmm. looking for um, in, in all of that. And it's very different, Mike. So you've got to be authentic. And I think authentic is a word that is oh, often yeah. Oh, yeah. overused. But... But if you think of the tribes that we've um, created, so we've created mums on being tiny trader, we've created bikes being very tribal mm-hmm. by nature. Like you can't get any more tribal than mammals on weekends <laughs> putting on lycra together and riding in a bunch. Yeah. So if you're not authentic behind your tribe and you don't listen to their needs and then actually genuinely provide them benefits that they want – um, and then they see value in that, and 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 that that's probably the most important thing around com- creating that community. But the second thing is a community is not a one-way conversation. So all good community-based marketers or managers, they allow their customers to genuinely have a uncensored voice. You know, you can't, you obviously can't swear, you can't offend people, and things like mm-hmm. that. But sometimes your community is not going to give you the feedback that you necessarily want. Or, or do you, you probably do want it, but you may not want mm-hmm. to hear it. And, and you've got to be, if, if you're going to listen to your tribe and create that sense of belonging behind your tribe, you've actually got to allow your tribe to have a two-way communication and a voice within that community as Okay, well. so how do you do that? In Bike Exchange, I'm a mammal, I'm not. Well, I was once, and I'll tell you about that later. But um, how do you give those cyclists the opportunity to talk to you, the owner of Bike Exchange? Or, or are they talking to the advertisers? I don't know. You tell me. Well, they're talking to the community. So it's actually got nothing to do with me being an owner of Bike mm-hmm. Exchange. The community is actually communicating within itself. And, and they, they feel like that they are genuinely contributing to that community so that they can write um, product reviews. They can write reviews on all the products purchases, on all the articles and content. They can actually write um, useful, uh, you know, they can they can provide feedback. Hey, why don't you include this in the next one or why don't you add mm. this, this information to it? Um, on the sellers themselves, they get to rate the sellers um, so that they actually, you know, if you have a good experience in the modern world, you'll, um, you know, nine times out of ten, you'll actually reward the seller for good mm-hmm. behaviour. But if you have a bad experience as well, is that you've got a voice within that community so that, um, and what that means is both from a seller community perspective and a consumer community um, perspective, it's an open, transparent um, book where people can buy with confidence, with expectation of the outcome. Do you think, uh, you talked about feedback earlier. I'll let you into a little secret. It's only you and I on the call. Um, I was looking for a karaoke machine last night. <laughs> and... Um, 
I was looking at all the feedback, uh, going through Amazon, looking at the feedback. And I haven't looked at f- uh, feedback. And it actually wasn't even feedback. It was, you know, like buyer reviews. Gee, they're powerful. I mean, they completely influenced which machine I ended up going with. Yeah, the problem you're going to have with that, though, it's not going to make your voice any better. Than... <laughs> it's, it's, but it's, it is. It's incredibly – like, how often do you buy – A karaoke machine. How often do you buy a karaoke machine? So – and then do you have the time to actually go and read every sort of really non-authentic review mm. out there and then make a judgment call? Or do you listen to consumers who have purchased it, who have experienced it, and say, you know what, on the mass, the critical mass of the community is selecting this one, and I, that's authentic and I believe it and yep. I trust it, and I can trust the review. Behind it. There's no yeah, question. yeah, really powerful. So, um Okay, so build a tribe, listen to their needs, provide benefits, massive value, um, and you're away. Sounds pretty easy, really, doesn't it? Why aren't more doing it? Yeah, well, it's, it's marketplaces are complicated businesses, and and the reality is there's lots of lessons and mistakes we've made across the journey, and there's lots of lessons and mistakes that lots of marketplaces have made across the journey, and they're big, they're big ideas, so it's mm. not like, you know, what, I want to create an e-commerce business, I'm going to order some stuff, I'm going to warehouse, I'm going to ship it out, and I'm going to just market it. What it is, is it, it's actually a really big business. You've got, to, you've got to onboard sellers, you've got to have sophisticated inventory systems, you've got to have sophisticated marketplace marketing, you've got to deal with SEO. Um, you've got to have a strategy around um, your legals and, and your payment gateways. So why I, I think there's lots of barriers in creating mm-hmm. a marketplace because they're pretty costly to start. They're not, they're not the most affordable business to start. But then there's really there's not that many solutions um, that you can just plug into to create a marketplace overnight. And that's really why we created Marketplace. Well, let's go back because let's understand – how and why you created it because kind of looking at Marketplacer as the software and what were you and your business partner sort of flicking through yellow pages or eBay one day and going, you know what, we could create a marketplace for each and every category that exists in these directories. Is that how it came about? It probably wasn't that sophisticated, <laughs> to be honest. I wish, I wish we were that smart. But what happened was is we created Bike Exchange first and in 2012, which you're a judge of as well now and I'm a judge of, we, we won Telstra Business mm-hmm. of the Year. And on the back of that, we got approached by smart, talented entrepreneurs that said, There's a great, I've got a great idea to create a marketplace for babies oh, wow. and kids, a marketplace for the home, a marketplace for the outdoor. So there was a genuine need in the market where people were literally approaching us to say, will you partner and help us? Um, do this because you've made so many mistakes. You've, you've, you've built the technology. Um, what we need to go now is go and actually um, attract the market, create a community, um, a, a, and really market and provide great customer service around that. So that's really how Marketplacer was born. And we went through a process of really deep biking, bike exchange, mm-hmm. and scaling the technology so that it can apply to any product anywhere in the world, any service anywhere in the world any digital product um, or digital download product anywhere in the world. So, Jason, when you you had Bike Exchange, you won the Telstra Business of the Year, um, at that point in time, are you just rearing up to build Bike Exchange out into the best bike marketplace in the world? Uh, or did you actually have in the back of your mind, gee, we could build this out to be um, all of a sudden a template for any type of product or service? Oh, we absolutely pivoted. 
after we've won Tulsa Love Business it. of the Year. Can you remember the moment so, where you've where you've looked? What's your what's your partner's name? Ah, uh, Sam Salter. Can, can you remember the moment where you've looked Sam in the eye and gone, mate? I think I I, I think this is going to be rather large. Yeah, it was actually it, it was interesting because those awards they're they're really quite helpful from getting an external person to look into your business. Mm. And, and and really challenge your strategic paths for the for the years following, and we used that process as, as a driver for that. And we knew um, we we knew as going through that strategic planning process that if we genuinely wanted to scale, that we probably had to scale out of the bike industry and out of the bike tribe. And that's when we went into all the different verticals. Mm-hmm. But then we also knew we had to scale bike exchange internationally and there was there was lots of learnings in creating a marketplace in for example we've got a um, marketplace bike exchange in germany belgium and the netherlands there's lots of learnings from going into different countries and 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 lots of failures from going into different countries um in, in creating setting up businesses it's just culturally different it's corporately different so so when you pivot for when you pivot where you've been putting all your energy into a business in this in this case bike exchange you pivoted and and have all of a sudden become a completely different business in one sense because you're no longer just the bike guys um does that did bike exchange suffer uh no we 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 we've what we were able to do is um, really empower our talented people that we had at that point in time so we we always thought we had a good culture we always thought we had um, smart people in our business um, but what we did is we gave them a framework where they could just really run with it and be empowered created really robust processes and systems reporting metrics um, and really focused on strategic decisions. So I've got an internal saying is one strategic decision is worth 100 operational ones. So um, if, if you've got the right people in the business and you trust them and you empower them, what we did at least is to not make the operational decisions but truly focus on the strategic decisions of the business. Can you give me an example of where one strategic decision um, was infinitely better than 100 operational ones? Yeah, absolutely. So the prime example is to actually um, focus on, at the moment, I'll give you the perfect example, is is that what we're doing at a marketplace level is we're, we're trying to determine how we can actually, um, we can scale globally, um, but not, and actually pick the right deals. So what we've done is we've internally developed a, um, a nearly, nearly like a, a scalable marketplace um process the seven steps to creating a successful marketplace hmm. um if you will it's not it's not it's like seven minute apps for marketplaces Tim. but and what that has enabled us to do instead of actually going through on a piece-by-piece basis every different client with a different methodology and a different thinking is what we've what we've done is we've been able to train our people up on the processes and the systems, and it's enabled us to scale that right through uh so the strategic decision being just articulate that for us well, the strategic decision is to actually have a strategy <laughs> around how to scale your business right. and really develop the methodology, but not actually be engaged in every single meeting 
as leaders right. of the organisation. Uh-huh. So it's setting up the template for success. Gotcha. I'm amazed, Jason. Um, I have to call you on it, mate, but you haven't heard of Michael Gerber. Is that correct? Uh, no. <laughs> My guest two weeks ago was Michael Gerber, who wrote the book The E-Myth, which, as I was saying to you uh, prior to recording, uh, we he's this guy who's about taking you from having a job of one to a company of or an enterprise of 1,000. And um, it's, it's really interesting. You're, you're applying it. It's all about scalability, and you're applying it without that, that knowledge. So well done to you. Because he's he sold yeah, five million copies of the book, by the way. <laughs> oh, there you go. I could probably sold two. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So, what's interesting around when you focus on scale? Mm. So there's another sort of line that we use internally: is uh, what are you busy doing, and what are you, how are you actually game changing um, the business in, in in some activities to what you do today? Because what you find is your people, and even yourself, is you you spend a lot of you can spend a lot of time being busy, but what are you actually, what are the three things that you're working on that are actually going to impact and drive, and we use the term minimal effort, maximum return, um, and if in, and they're, they're basically the, the things that how we, how we roll out our strategic thinking and how we roll out our time management throughout our organisation. Mm-hmm. So focus on three things that are genuinely going to make a difference to the business, and then they have to be minimal effort maximum return, and they have to be able to scale. Can I uh, love it? Makes sense. Absolutely love it. A lot of business owners are listening going, like, I, I know, Jace. I friggin' know, mate. How? How do I? I'm flat out. I haven't got time to pick three things and focus on the game-changing stuff. I've got a business to run. Yeah, so, and, and that's just, it, it's a commitment you have, actually have to make to yourself. So this stuff takes discipline. Mm. It's, it's not easy because... What you'll find that you're firefighting um, a, a lot of the time, mm. but can somebody can somebody else actually be empowered to make that decision and roll it out for you? And what we found when we get when we empowered our people and we enabled them to make quality decisions and we helped them in that journey, is that they actually became more engaged in their roles. They they became stronger team members. Mm. They contributed to the culture at a higher level, and they actually had a much higher job satisfaction. Than is it than oh hey Jason, what do you think of this? So it's the old sort of philosophy as well. Come to me with solutions, not problems. Mm. And, and the team loved it. It enabled us to scale. Um, and we're definitely reaping the rewards because of it. So that's about a culture of giving people, and again, another overused term, empower, empowering your people to to make those decisions. Don't come to me with a problem. If you are, make sure you've got a solution to back it up, that type of stuff, and, and giving people the confidence to do that, right? Yeah, but it's also as leaders, I think, it's the discipline to actually, to actually follow through with it. So if somebody comes to you um, with a problem, I cancel a meeting and I say, you're not paid to give me problems, you're paid to give me solutions. You're not part of this team to, to come with problems. Um, go away, think about it. I don't care if it's wrong, that's completely fine. So you can't have a culture or a team where people can be wrong and they get bashed over their heads. Mm. But what you can be upset with is if they actually don't think about it and they come to you with an expectation that you're going to solve world peace every time. <laughs> Do you really cancel the meeting? Definitely. Love it. I've just come back from a business trip to the Philippines only two days ago where I took a, a bunch of listeners on an outsourcing journey and we ended up at a business where I, that I part own uh, there and I spent a couple of days after the tour had finished, Jace, um, just sitting with some of the virtual assistants that we employ and, and other people over there and talking to them about the work they're doing for business owners back in Australia 
and it's incredible what people are handing over. Some of the clients of this business I know and just knowing what they're handing over that six, 12 months ago, they were hold work that they were holding so close to their chest, you know, only I can do it. No one else can do it. And now, and now they're outsourcing it to, to someone in the Philippines. And, and it's all about creating freedom, right? Yeah, definitely. And, and not focusing your business on, a, on borders. So we, the, the truth is we completely live in a borderless world and we need, in a modern business with, with modern principles, we need to behave in that way. So just because they're located in the Philippines doesn't mean they're not highly engaged, a good culture fit, and it can actually help you scale your business. Oh, yeah. And, and, and we're seeing that at a rapid rate. We're like we're seeing our international orders on our marketplaces go through the, go through the roof. So the borderless world... Uh, is enable is enabling Australian businesses to sell internationally, mm. and and the reality is international businesses been selling into Australia for a long time. Correct. So if you're a if you're a small business, through enabling technology, and you know we, we spoke about it um, the other day, is actually leveraging the power of international marketplaces to market in different channels in different areas around the world, can be can be incredibly um, satisfying and and show a great return. Um, for small businesses in Australia, take for example, if you're a, if you're a pet business, a small pet business, and you wanted to sell to America, well, there's a pretty clear path for how you can actually get and market into the American market um, for those types of businesses today. And it's you know tap into your marketplaces, tap into your um, your big channels like Google and Facebook, and and you know maybe leverage a local um, third-party logistics warehouse in America, and away you go. Yeah. So don't restrict yourself to the 22, 23 million people that are in Australia to sell. Open your mind and, and, and think scale and how can you actually attract different customers from different markets oh, yeah. um, to your products and services. Big time. Hey, listeners, I am talking to Jason White, the founder of Marketplacer.com. Jace, um, I want to wrap some numbers around where you're now at, having won that Telstra Award that few years ago and, and pivoted to become um, a business that creates marketplaces for others. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I understand you are now the proud owner of eight marketplaces operating in 14 countries, 20 million plus annual users, 340,000 products online, 100 100,000 plus sellers with revenue of? Can you reveal your revenue? We don't reveal our revenue. Just there roundabouts, mate. Can you get it to the nearest dollar? That's all. Well, what I can say (laughs) is I'll give you an example of one of our marketplaces in Australia and every single month we deliver um, between 40 and $50 million worth of leads into Australian bike retailers. Forty or fifty million dollars worth of leads into Australia. Okay, so when you say leads, what do you mean? Because what someone someone requesting more information from one of the advertisers on Bike Exchange? Yeah, so this is the classic example of modern marketing. Mm-hmm. So everyone's really focused on omnichannel, and I actually I'm confused about what omnichannel is. I don't think our customers know what omnichannel is. So what I mean by that is, is customers actually just want to buy stuff, mm. they, and they want they want to feel part of that community which we've already spoken about, and they want the ease, choice, and convenience and high quality service around it. Makes sense. So, yeah. So if you're if you're if I put myself in the customer's shoes and I'm looking for a pram or a bike, the reality is I want to be able to call the seller, I want to be able to email the seller, I want to be able to find out exactly 
what colour, what size and where it's located. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be able to click and collect it and I want to be able to buy it online and someone to ship it for me. Now, 94% of consumers still, 90 plus percent of consumers, depending on your vertical mm-hmm. or, or your area, still buy in store. So as if you're a bricks and mortar store and you ignore how, on how to market to 90% of your customer base, mm-hmm. that's a big chunk. Yeah. And then 10% is growing with click and collect and buy online and in different markets it's up to 20%. If you ignore them now, that's a big chunk. So in a modern business, you've got to have your, your processes and systems for handling the deal with customers. You've got to have good You've got to have good systems in place around it. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that, if you get a call from a customer who wants to buy on the other end of the phone, you've got to have, you've got to train your sales to, you've got to train your sales team or, or your in-store team on how to actually convert them to either an online sale or to get them to come into your store. If somebody emails you, you've got to have good good email replies. Mm-hmm around how to convert them into, to get them to come into your store to purchase or to buy online. Whereas, you know, I've dealt with thousands of retailers all over the world and I say the same thing absolutely every single time. Don't question whether a lead or a customer is valid or not. Actually, how are your behaviours, how is your training, how's your education to your staff incentivising the customer to purchase from your business over another business Mm. because the reality is in most situations they just don't email one single seller they may they may email two or three different sellers now there'll be lots of different considerations in that journey sizing location price but the one we see the most important for converting customers to physically come into store or to purchase online is service every single time so if you get back to your customers within half an hour, your chance of converting, and this is anecdotal, but your chance of converting genuinely goes up by 70%. Mm. If you wait three hours, I can guarantee your competitor in a competitive marketplace has actually already got back to the customer and has actually made that customer feel like they belong to that store. So my advice is, is to come back with a strong, strong strategy that's authentic in a timely manner that makes the customer feel that they are going to get a great service and purchasing either online or in-store from your business. Hallelujah. Well said. And, you know, not brain surgery, yet many forget about it. Uh, again, they get busy on the business, but customer service done well, done smartly, you know, is such a point of difference, isn't it? Whether you're operating online or offline. In fact, you could almost argue that the the online part of a business forces you to improve your customer service even more because it's intangible? I, I completely agree. And, and well, it's now visible, isn't it? Because you've got a community where people can rate you mm. and they can, they can have their say in it. If you've got poor customer service, you, you're going to really struggle. But on the other flip side of it, if you have great customer service, your community and your customers will reward you through sales. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and word of mouth and talk about you. You know, absolutely, it's unbelievable, isn't it? Let's just talk, finish off by talking about um, marketplace marketing. So, because there's two sides to this, there's a whole lot of business owners listening to this who have never considered the idea of marketplace marketing, and then some of them might even be thinking, "Hmm, I might start a marketplace." So, just to touch on, um, I think we're pretty clear on why we should now activate marketplace marketing um, as as a channel. Um, how do we go about that, Jace? Well, what you'll find is that there'll, 
in most instances, there will be a tribal marketplace in your industry. So it's easy to keep talking about ours, but if you're a, if you're a baby store, there's Tiny Trader. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're a um, if you're an outdoor um, leisure seller, there's um, there's Outdooria. So I would, the first step is, is I would find um, the most authentic tribe um, or, and tribal based marketing a marketplace in your area, mm-hmm. and then. Um, it's, it's not only what you need to do is actually the key to being successful on a marketplace is to put the effort in up front. So make sure you put all of your inventory on. So all of your sizes, all of your colours, because it's pretty hard for a customer to find what you've got for sale if you actually don't advertise it mm-hmm. in this modern world. And I know it sounds incredibly basic, but the number one rule we say, if you've got it for sale, tell people first <laughs> and your marketplace in your in your industry will definitely help you on that journey and will help you on board in an authentic layer the next thing is actually sell your story so why should they purchase from you um, have you got amazing content and descriptions of the product and the service that you're going to provide if somebody purchases it from you again it sounds unbelievably basic but that little bit of effort around putting high-quality images, putting some in-situ images, putting some lifestyle images, actually de- describing to the customer, why physically purchase from me? These are the benefits you're going to get from purchasing from me versus somewhere else. For example, if I was going to buy a bike, tell me why I'd come into your store. Is it because you've got all the sizes, you can get a proper bike fit, I'm going to give you uh, a free service after the first four weeks um, we've got the best bike fitters, but there's got to be more tangible reasons in this modern competitive world mm-hmm. why people are going to buy from you versus um, another seller. So that would be my key advice. You find the niche or the marketplace. Um, go deep within that. Put the time, energy, and the effort into creating quality content into that marketplace. But then also make sure that you tell your you tell your um, your customers why buy from me. Hello. You know, uh, that's backed up by a past guest I had on about a year ago, a lady who's the second biggest seller um, of craft items on Etsy. Um, she yep. was do- she's doing 80000 US a month and – Number one tip, and this is backed up, by the way, from people you and I know, the girls at Spell and the Gypsy Collective, create a story, create emotional engagement by spending a little time or money on your photography, having consistency, great copywriting, storytelling, and not just kind of a rational bunch of points that kind of doesn't set you apart. So I reckon that's great advice, mate, those three steps to marketplace marketing. Before we leave that, is it? Um, do you expect um, as the seller to pay to be part of a marketplace or only when you sell something on that marketplace? Um, it's exactly the same as the community um, information I was talking about earlier. So if we, we as marketplaces, um, we... we charge a membership fee to, and we have different layers of service that we provide to our sellers and there's different levels of commission. So but the one thing I've experienced is if you don't pay for something in life, you don't value it. Mm-hmm. And if, you, if, you, if it's for free, nine times out of ten, people don't put their energy and effort in. So we definitely charge a small membership fee per month where we know our sellers can get an amazing 
return on investment mm-hmm. and actually put the time, energy and effort required to actually game change their business. Yeah, great. Totally agree with that. We get something for free, completely undervalued. Let's just talk about, um, it, for those who may want to start a marketplace, uh, you know, you've started eight, you've been in business a few years now. Um, eight feels like a small number, but I'm also guessing there's a hell of a lot of work that goes into a marketplace. What if someone out there is listening thinking, I'd love to start a marketplace of my own? Yeah, so the first thing to do is have a really good look at the industry or the tribe that you want to create a marketplace for. Mm-hmm. Is there a need for a marketplace within that tribe? Say, for example, if I wanted to create a surfboard hire marketplace in St Kilda, there's no point. There's three sellers. It's an irrelevant marketplace. So the characteristics we try and look for in a marketplace, is it a highly fragmented industry? So are there many, many brands? Are there many, many sellers from all over the world? The second thing, is it a bit of an enthusiastic purchase? So do you feel that you could actually belong to that community over a long period of time as either a seller or a buyer? And then the third component that we always look at is can it scale? So is there enough volume in the industry? Is there is there enough demand? Is there a need for a marketplace? And can we satisfy that need to that community, mm-hmm. make them belong and then provide benefits over a long period of time? Nice. And from what I understand, Jace, you, these eight marketplaces that Marketplacer has started, um, whilst you might not have initiated them or you've taken um, an equity position in them, is that right? Yeah. What we often find um, is when people approach us is they, they just don't want technology and they just don't want us to set and forget, but they want that um, strategic thinking around how to create, yeah. you know, the years of experience around strategic thinking and also the processes and systems and procedures that we've developed on genuinely how to run an efficient marketplace globally. So what we try and like to, what we try to think about is how can we accelerate your idea or your concept um, ten years in a day? All our mistakes hmm. and failures yeah. and, and tribulations. Let's not make them again. Let's let's team up and uh, and let's go. Let's go create something amazing. What's it cost to start a marketplace? It completely depends on the industry. <laughs> so it, it, depend, it depends on all those characteristics. Got I, a range? I was talking about. We started Bike Exchange with $15,000 mm-hmm. each, so it was 30000 in total. I just think it's near on impossible to do a marketplace for that level of investment now. Well, you bring so much IP too. Yeah, but we had time on our side. Yeah. So, you know, we could just punch around one by one and slowly, slowly build it. Um, whereas the new bike exchanges um, we're starting all over the world have clearly got more capital in them than $30,000. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> hey, Jace, it's been absolutely uh, – it's a great insight to a marketing topic that we haven't discussed on this show, so thank you. And, listeners, you can find out all about Marketplacer. Just go to marketplacer.com. And you can also find a whole lot of case studies there. It'll take you to Bike Exchange and um, House of Home and all the other uh, marketplaces these guys have set up. Jace, I want to start. I want to end with five quickies, mate. Number one, what's the best sure, thing you've just quickly, Tim? Yeah. Um, for the audience out there, we've also got lots of great content on our blog around tips on creating marketplaces. You really have and some insights into marketing. So, and, and well done on that, by the way, because um, I checked your blog, and I often do this before speaking to a guest, and yours is up to date. In fact, you blog weekly. What we do, what we try and do, is contribute to the community. Again, we try and contribute to the community. Um, around the people who want to create a marketplace. Love it. Blogs are fantastic. Jace, uh, five quickies. What's the best thing you've bought this year? I have bought a new 
bite, believe it or not, and I'm loving it. <laughs> because He's a mammal. He's a mammal. It, it is, but I also get to yeah. – it's an efficient way to get to work and it's a great ah. thinking zone to get to work. I ride along – there's a famous road in Melbourne called Beach Road and I'm lucky enough and fortunate enough to ride along that every day. Oh, mate, you'll have to wear um, your name on your back because I drive along Beach Road often to the airport. So, yeah, uh, mate, just uh, how can I identify you? Oh, you know, are you wearing a luminous pink? Or cycling tips kit. <laughs> right, okay, I'll look out for you. Hey, uh, what are you curious about? I'm very curious how big data and data analytics and machine learning is going to impact the world in the in the future. I think it's the most innovative <laughs> and interesting thing happening at the moment. There's a topic for another day. Uh, what's a bad habit you have that you'd love to break? Cycling. Well, it's a good habit. It's good for your heart. Good for your health. <laughs> True. Um, a bad habit I'd like to break, and I'm going to break it, is taking my phone into the bedroom. Oh, mate, that is just rookie stuff. That is rookie. You can start that today, I tonight. Agree. I agree. Yeah. Many do it, but, uh, yeah, yeah, rookie. Uh, have you ever cheated? No. Well, what's interesting around the word cheating is what did you mean by it, right? So you, well, you, mate, you, hey. You meant, you meant in life, and um, and I don't think, no, I, I, Long term, you know, it was a bit. It was a bit awkward coming off a question in which you were talking about the bedroom. But I'm not defining cheating. That's your job. This is your show. No, I agree. And um, it had nothing to do with the bedroom. (laughs) Well, well, just to finish on uh, question five, who was your first kiss? I forget her name, Tim. And it was a a bad. It was probably I was 14 or something um, at the Royal Melbourne show, and I just can't remember her name for the life of me. I don't think it was too much for her either. No, well, she's still she's still recovering. Hey, Jace, well done, mate. I think Marketplace is a brilliant idea. Thanks for sharing some very new insights on the show to my listeners, and good luck in the future. Thank you very much. Have a great day, everyone. Well, there you go, team. Jason Wyatt, Marketplace.com. Go and check it out. Hope you enjoyed that, uh, a new angle on how you can go about marketing your beautiful business. Coming up, I'm going to share my top three attention grabbers from that chat with Jason. But first, here's a word from two businesses that want to help build that beautiful business of yours into the empire it deserves to be. Support for this show comes from Web Central, who are pretty damn good at helping small business owners like Massimo, original Italian pizza maker. Get more customers. Massimo, original Italian pizza maker. Owns Pizziera on the road and not only loves simple Italian pizza toppings, but he also loves how Web Central have been absolutely nailing his Facebook advertising. I asked Massimo what difference they've made to his business. Social media is unbelievable. So when I start to advertise my my company through internet, at that time I was working with one wood fly oven only. Now I got four with the possibility to rent the fifth one. So probably I'm doing three times what I used to do till three years ago. Very happy. But his love for Web Central didn't stop there. But the result went very high, very high. It was surprising for me. Very, very surprising. Web Central, where love is in the air. Find out how they can get you more customers by managing your social media over at webcentral.com.au forward slash Timbo. Thank you.
Support for this show comes from Key Person of Influence, a business accelerator program that reeks of success. I asked co-founder Glenn Carlson to share some breakthrough results. Every day I'm seeing people posting evidence of the transformation from them being an operator to being a key person of influence. So, you know, as a result of them publishing a book, they're getting invited to speak at global conferences that they've only ever dreamed of attending, let alone being a speaker at. Or, you know, uh, an organisation decides to buy 3,000 of their new product, which they've just created, that they would never have been able to take 3,000 orders if they were just a single operator. Um, Or their pitch, getting them into, you know, a deal that is 10 times bigger. And, And, like, we see evidence of this every single day. And I look at this every single day to the point where it's become the water I'm swimming in. KPI, where the results swim, I mean speak for themselves. For a free hard copy of their Amazon bestseller, visit keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo. Uh, did you like my new Web Central ad? Bit of a laugh, isn't it? Mossimo! We might make a rock star out of that bloke. Uh, okay, my top three attention grabbers from that fireside chat with Jason from Marketplacer. Number one. We live in a borderless world. Never a truer word was spoken. Go and have a look at some of the marketplaces Jason and his team have set up, like Bike Exchange, and just see how there are no borders. You could be selling to anyone, anywhere. Exciting stuff. Attention grabber number two. One strategic decision is worth 100 operational decisions. I like that. Us business owners, me included... We've got to think more strategically. We've got to think about what are those big decisions that are going to move us forward, that are going to make us more money, that are going to create us more freedom, that are going to allow us to enjoy what we do and stop focusing on the operational ones. Hand those over. Outsourcing is a great thing. You can do that with outsourcing. Cornerstonebusinesssolutions.com.au. They'll sort you out. All those operational things that you shouldn't be doing, all those process-driven tasks. Okay, stop ranting, Timbo. (laughs) Attention grabber number three, cancel a meeting if someone comes to you in that meeting with a problem. I like that. It's harsh but fair. No problems. If you're going to bring one, bring a solution too. I like that. That's what grabbed my attention. What grabbed yours? Love to know. Head over to smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash three, four, All right, it is time for me to share one simple yet effective marketing idea that you can implement immediately, and I mean today. An idea that's not going to cost you a fortune and that might just generate you more awareness, more inquiry, and ultimately more sales. A bit of Ka-ching, a bit of ka-ching, ka-ching, I love that. Today's idea is to create a niche-focused blogging strategy. Now, you can't blog just for the sake of blogging or because someone told you that that's what you're supposed to do. I've got to tell you, nothing annoys me more than seeing a business owner's blog where they simply share the awards they've won or some half-funny details about a new employee. Oh, sorry, I'm back with you. Well, it's actually not true. Stepping on a piece of Lego annoys me a little bit more, but I digress. Back to blogging. 
You have to have an intentional strategy in place in order for blogging to help your business in any way. So consider implementing a niche-focused blog strategy. It works like this. Instead of writing boring old blog posts about your company or generic posts that look like every other blog from every other business in your industry, do something different. Think bigger. Create a niche-specific blog that a very focused group of people will come to see and read and use as a resource to improve their lives. Here's my three simple steps to doing exactly that. Number one, familiarize yourself with other niche blogs. You might already be reading one, don't even know it. Analyze their headlines, their design layouts, their writing styles, their calls to action. Maybe this one you already follow or you can check out mine over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. I blog every week. Step two, think about the people you're trying to reach. Who are they? What do they need help with? What keeps them up at night? What excites them? Use this information to come up with a new focus for your blog. I call it an editorial mission, and I go into that whole concept of editorial mission in my book, The Boomerang Effect. Try to be uber-specific with it. When it comes to blogging, broad topics don't work, team. People want specifics. Decide on your focus and come up with your first 10 post ideas, even if that means just writing the headline for each. You know what I think about headlines and how important they are? Headlines get things read, get things clicked open. Step three in your niche blogging strategy, choose a blog theme for your website on another website like Theme Forest or Woo Themes. I'll put links in those to the show notes, in the show notes. Pick one that looks different from all the other blogs you see on other business sites and then hire someone to help you install that theme on your website and make sure your design reflects your brand. And then simply get blogging. Don't get bogged down in the technical stuff. You can outsource all that. Get blogging, write those first 10 posts. And here's the pro tip, be consistent. Aim for posting one article per week. Yeah, and enjoy it. Make it about a 300-word article, nothing onerous. Hey, as always, there'll be links in the show notes to all the resources I mentioned over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com forward slash 342. And if you'd like help with implementing any of the ideas that you hear on this show, and in particular this segment, What Have You Got to Lose, then go ahead and join the Small Business Big Marketing Club, where I will personally support you on your marketing journey. So, what have you got to lose? Okay. I reckon that almost wraps up another episode of the Small Business Big Marketing Show. Don't worry, though. There is plenty of marketing gold coming your way in the weeks and months ahead. Next week, I'm excited about this, we catch up with dual Olympic gold medalist, Michael Klim, Klimmy, who's now having huge success out of the pool with his skincare range. Now, Klimmy was a guest on episode six of this show, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, has he come a long way. Hey, a while back, I chatted with ex-YouTube star, turn New York barbecue house owner, Daniel Delaney. Here he is talking about how he kicked off his YouTube strategy. So I wanted to set some constraints. The constraints were I would produce a video every single day. And I started on January 1st, and I would do it seven days a week. And each video had to be an ingredient that I didn't know anything about. 
and I would source the ingredient, learn about it, create a recipe just on on in one day, create a recipe, film the episode, edit the episode, and post it on one in one day. And then the other thing that's that's really fun about this is that I also thought this would be a great opportunity to try alternate sources of of generating revenue. Yeah, I like that interview. I love Daniel's idea of placing a time constraint around your content creation. And he continues to explain that in the interview. You can hear it the whole interview with him, plus hundreds more over at smallbusinessbigmarketing.com. Or I would particularly like you to subscribe free on iTunes. Hey, I'd love to hear from you. Flick us an email, tim at timreed, reid.com.au. Hit me up on Twitter at timboreid. You could join the Small Business Big Marketing Facebook group. (laughs) So many ways of making contact, and I love hearing from you guys. Be sure to grab a free hard copy of the Key Person of Influence book over at keypersonofinfluence.com forward slash Timbo, but only, and I mean only, if you want to become more visible, valued, and connected in your industry. And remember, you too could be like... Massimo, original Italian pizza maker. And have huge success with your social media marketing. So why not hand that responsibility over to Web Central? Check out their exclusive listener social media package over at webcentral.com.au forward slash Timbo. If you love the show, pay it forward by telling another small business owner. Until next week, I'm Timbo Reid. Always have been, always will be. Thanks for listening to the Small Business Big Marketing Show. May your marketing be the best marketing. Bye for now.